Greetings, and welcome to Unsupervised Learning. I'm Daniel Meisler, and this show explores the intersection of security, technology, and society, and thinks about what might be coming next. Every Monday, there's a news and analysis episode that condenses 5 to 20 hours of reading and analysis into a 15-minute summary, as well as regular essays, interviews, and book reviews that cover specific topics. The goal is to give you a concise, curated update on the most interesting things happening in the world, and to explore ideas that give you something to think about and prepare you for what's coming next. All right, welcome to episode 271. Hope you're having a good week so far. Starting off with security news, major story this week, which uh, started last week. The U.S. says a China-based threat actor has launched a major attack on Microsoft Exchange servers. And evidently, it's affected over 30,000 organizations that they know of so far just in the U.S. And this apparently goes all the way back to January 6th. The attack and the group that launched it are being called Hafnium. And the Biden administration says not only to patch, but to look for other evidence of additional compromise, since the attack includes the dropping of a backdoor. If you look at the newsletter, we've got a link here to the Krebs story. FireEye write-up, a wire write-up, a nuclei template for detecting it from Project Discovery, the write-up on the Microsoft blog, and a tool for detecting this from Microsoft as well. So, yeah, Microsoft Exchange, if you have it, you're probably already knee-deep in this response, so... Most people who have Microsoft Exchange aren't hearing this for the first time. But if you are, stop listening right now and go take care of it. Attackers are continuing to target the software supply chain by creating malicious libraries that are similarly named to benign versions. And since most people never check those names, people are downloading and executing malicious code that does stuff like gather passwords and open remote shells. Software being targeted includes apps from Amazon, Zillow, Lyft, and Slack. Probably many others, so keep an eye out for it. There's been a breach of SITA's Atlanta-based servers. And SITA is a service provider to 90% of the world's airlines. 90%. That is many, many airline companies, obviously. Singapore Airlines alone said they had more than 580,000 customers affected. And Malaysia Airlines say they lost over nine years of data. To me, this is just part of the ongoing effort for APTs like China. And we're not sure exactly who this is yet. Uh, China seems likely, but who knows? Could be a combination also. But this really does seem to be part of what someone in the UL community called the Cyber CRM. Or they referred to it as a CRM. I guess we're calling now cyber CRM. Makes sense. And it's basically the idea of collecting all the information about your future potential targets into a single place. And you want to gather that information from as many industries as possible. So they've already gone after OPM, Marriott, Equifax. And now it looks like we've got a major attack against the airlines. Now, it doesn't mean the they is a single organization, right? You could have lots of groups even within a single country. So it doesn't mean there's like, you know, one database to rule them all. 
Although I do think that is likely to be a goal for countries like China. But kind of similar to the Skynet thing or surveillance everywhere or the social credit system, that's really a set of disparate systems that they're trying to join together. But it's not currently one unified system. So I think this is likely to be the case. So the cyber CRM might not be a single database, but maybe it is. Who knows? Yeah, and this is not even counting like genetic data and lots of other data that can potentially be gathered to add to this thing. I think it's a brilliant long game play on the part of these advanced actors, mostly China, uh, because most of those companies I mentioned, OPM, Marriott, Equifax, we, we do know those were China, right? So this, this seems logical. And again, it's logical for anyone, not just for China. And hopefully, the U.S. is doing something similar, if not just for defense, then for offense as well. I mean, we really need to be playing the same game. It reminds me of recon a lot, right? If you're doing continuous monitoring, if you're monitoring an enemy because you want to be able to attack them, and you continuously want to know when a new opportunity arises, well, you would want to do that to yourself as well. So hopefully when it comes to this cyber CRM concept, we are doing the same thing. We are gathering information on, you know, the most sensitive targets that we have. It wouldn't be the actual details because it would be pretty hard for our own organizations to just compromise or otherwise gain access to all of those individual people's data inside of these various systems. So in some ways, it's easier for China to get that information than it is for us to maintain it ourselves. But we should at least have a list of the names of the people who could potentially be targeted. Because the idea here is to move through time with this person. So maybe right now it's a six-year-old on TikTok. Well, six is a little young, but a 16-year-old on TikTok. And they're inputting all their preferences or whatever, right? So you, you have this personality profile. Um, and then they start traveling and they're on Marriott and they get credit. And now they're on Equifax or whatever. So you're watching them move through time. So maybe 25 years in the future, they're running for office or something. And now you know how to attack them. You know what their preferences are. You know they're vulnerable to materialism and they could be purchased with a porch or uh, what time of partners they're looking for or whatever else you could use for leverage. And that's the idea of the cyber CRM, right? A CRM is like a list of customers. Well, that's kind of what this is, but in a scary way. So yeah, hopefully we are also doing this in the US, not just for offense, but for defense. I'm going to pretend we are in my own mind, just to be a little more calm about it. All right. The R evil ransomware operation has added a new tactic to its tool belt in order to add pressure to victims to pay. They're calling the target's business partners and telling them that their data has been leaked by the target, presumably generating a ton of incoming inquiries and attention that will inspire them to pay even more. Right? So call up and say, so-and-so lost your data and I have it. They then, of course, call that, that uh, carrier or provider and say, did you just lose my data or whatever? And now, you know, the pressure is on, the scrutiny is high. 
really, really advanced stuff, these uh, ransomware groups. I mean, it's becoming an economy by itself. Uh, like, all this stuff is being, you know, broken out like a Ford assembly line. It's really fascinating stuff. I would read multiple books about this whole ecosystem. China has targeted India's power grid as part of ongoing border disputes. Really fascinating when you see uh, cyber touching the kinetic world. Four of the top Russian cybercrime forums have been hacked with data stolen. The title of this piece is Three Russian Cybercrime Forums, but at the bottom of it, this is uh, Brian Krebs, says actually another one's been compromised as well, bringing it to four so far. So curious who's doing that. The U.S. State Department's Global Engagement Center, which monitors disinformation, says they've seen multiple Russian intelligence campaigns designed to undermine American confidence in COVID vaccines. Although it's not clear if they're talking about undermining global confidence in the American vaccines so that they will be more likely to buy the Russian one or use the Russian one. So not exactly sure about that, but definitely trying to undermine confidence in the American ones. A National Security Commission on AI says the U.S. is unprepared for competition with China and that we must make immediate and drastic changes to adjust. They talk about trying to be AI ready within, I guess, four years by 2025. Seems kind of late for me. Seems like we need that immediately, not in four years. And a new paper out of the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign captures a side-channel attack against modern CPUs. It focuses on gathering information from the ring interconnect portion of CPUs to gather sensitive data, which evidently is fairly new. Technology news. Tech salaries grew in 2020, with Silicon Valley in first place, followed by New York, Boston, San Diego, D.C., Seattle, Denver, and then Austin. Deepfakes continued to gain quality and attention. A Korean news channel replaced their main newscaster with an AI version as a test. And they said they'll continue to use this technology for breaking news since you can just feed it text and go live immediately. Live in air quotes because it's not a real person. But really interesting that you could just grab a piece of text about whatever, a car crash or a weather event or whatever and just shove it into this thing, and it looks like it's being done live by this person. It's not really them. And this is how, you know, technology always sneaks in to kind of replace humans, right? It starts off as being like this one-off. Oh, we'll just use it for breaking news, since we can't wake up the person and have them come into the studio. So we'll just use it for that. And then pretty soon it's like a contract dispute. Oh, maybe we'll just use it permanently. And I'm I don't know anything about this news channel. I'm not saying they're doing anything like that. I'm just saying that's the natural trend when you have a convenience like this that, you know, is cheaper and easier to use than humans. A study by Telstra Ventures says the exodus out of California has been greatly exaggerated with 97% of startups staying in the Bay Area. They also said that most startups that left did not go to Austin, but instead to Colorado. And most, so there actually was a huge exodus out of San Francisco, but not out of California. 
for the Bay Area. And Square has purchased title for $279 million, or at least a majority stake in it. And Tidal is a music streaming service. And a lot of people are very confused about why Square would buy them, including me. Human news. The pandemic is massively affecting global trade and shipping, causing delays in supply chains for multiple industries. And I think everyone kind of knew this, but evidently it's really compounding. It's getting really bad. And anecdotally, I've heard a lot of accounts of things being delayed and, you know, talk to companies and they're like, ah, supply chain issues. So it seems to be massively coming to a head or cascading in some sort of way. Not really sure if it's just a continuation that's getting more and more annoying or if it's actually escalating. The article wasn't super clear on that. 51% of Switzerland voted to ban burkas and other full face coverings within the country. 51%, so a razor's edge sort of situation there. A new study has found that couples who watch and discuss movies about relationships get similar benefits to other early marriage counseling programs. Save a bunch of money on car insurance. Just watch some movies. Got to talk about them, though. That seems to be key. The U.S. is expecting 300,000 fewer births this year. They're calling it the pandemic birth bust which they weren't sure about. They weren't sure if it was going to go the other direction and a whole bunch of people just locked inside are going to have a bunch of sex and make a bunch of babies, but evidently that didn't happen. Kind of the opposite. Maybe everyone got sick of each other. Content ideas and analysis. So we were very wrong about testosterone. This is a essay I wrote recently about this uh, fascinating hormone. Read a couple books on this recently. Actually, it wasn't about testosterone. I was reading, I think it was Robert Sapolsky out of Stanford. Uh, not really sure what the book was about. I can't remember which book it was. I think I read two or three by him. But one of the books just randomly mentioned testosterone and how it was not what people thought it was. And I thought that was fascinating. And then I just found this uh, new science podcaster who I'll talk about in the recommendation section. And he also talked about testosterone and basically matched the same thing. So I just did a bunch of research and wrote this little piece about it. So if you were told that it was a aggression hormone, then uh, you, like me, were not lied to, but misled. Kind of like the food pyramid. And another essay here, The Relative Importance of High-Resolution Audio, CD Quality, and MQA. This is uh, an essay, basically, for audiophiles in the tech world, which I, I think there are quite a few. I've heard from quite a few of you, so please continue to reach out. But, yeah, if you're uh, in IT or if you're listening to this or if you're in security or whatever and you are an audiophile or looking to get into that world, which I think a lot of people are right now, right? You, people are building their nests because they can't go outside. This is definitely what I'm doing. And uh, audio is definitely a way to sort of immerse in life experiences, you know, beautiful life experiences, artistic life experiences from the comfort of the home. So that is why I'm diving into it. I find the whole thing fascinating. And one of the 
major religious debates, kind of like Vim versus Emacs or whatever, in the audio world is high-resolution audio versus low-res or CD quality. So this essay is about that topic. Next topic here, evolving society versus cancel culture. So people are really upset that Dr. Zeus, Zeus, I say Zeus, I don't know, is getting banned, except for they're not really getting banned. They, they're self-policing. The group that started all of this banning stuff is the company that's run by the family itself. And the market is simply following their lead by just pulling out the stuff that, that they took out. Now, there could be additional developments. I didn't read every story about this, but that seemed to be mostly the situation. So here's the thing. Out-of-control cancel culture is bad, agreed. And that's a little bit of a tautology because I said out-of-control cancel culture is bad, which it has out-of-control in the title. So it's a little bit of cheating. But I'm saying there is an extreme there that's bad. But so is trying to watch an old movie full of white people who do nothing but belittle and diminish other groups. It's like seriously cringeworthy. So I, I'd never seen Breakfast at Tiffany's and it was, you know, it's in music. Um, and I think I was reading something and it had a reference to it. And this was like a year or two ago or something. So I, I think I bought the movie or somehow I, maybe I watched it online. I'm not sure, but I pulled it up and I tried to watch it just, I couldn't get 20 minutes into this thing. It was unbearably like horrible from like a racism standpoint. And it was just so unbelievably obvious. So I think as a society, there has to be a way to do multiple things simultaneously, which is one, enjoy the beauty in art that was created when we were less evolved as a society. And two, continue to evolve as a society by lowering the prominence of that type of art in order to set a better standard, right? This isn't an either or. We can and must do both of these things. We are constantly evolving, and in 100 years, we'll hopefully be even more inclusive than we are today. But that means for all of our history, we've created morally flawed art. And that will always be the case relative to the current moment. So we must find a way to accept that and to benefit from such art despite its flawed moral context. The alternative has us basically discarding pretty much everything we've created thus far as shameful and inappreciable. From books to movies to countries to civilizations. We must solve this riddle of being able to appreciate our prior achievements while simultaneously demanding that we do better. All right. Notes. So I had my first real clubhouse experience last week, and it was uh, pretty interesting. It was a group of like 20 people getting bullied by like this one strong personality. So after listening for like 10 minutes, I jumped in and it turned into me versus him. And it reminded me of my old days debating religion with people. I don't really encourage or enjoy that activity in myself anymore, but it was invigorating. I engaged for like 30 minutes and had to bail to 
play table tennis basically, but it was, it was really fun. And I really encourage anyone to dive in and get a feel for clubhouse. It's quite a unique experience. Just the presence of lots of human voices right now is pretty comforting. And if for no other reason, it is a zeitgeist that's happening right now, this audio platform. It's a new tech platform. You don't want to wait a couple years and get way behind. You should definitely dive in, even if you just dip into some rooms, listen for a minute or two, and dip back out. Uh, but try to participate if you can, if you can bring yourself to it. It's uh, quite interesting. And also ask yourself, what's different about this? What's different from Discord? What's different from Slack? What's different from Zoom? Uh, I think I have an answer, but you should ask yourself that. And we had a great UL book club last weekend for the book Life 3.0 by Max Tegmark. Lots of vibrant conversation about the book itself and multiple adjacent topics. And uh, yeah, definitely uh, sign up, become a member, and uh, join the conversation. They're getting really, really good. And we just had someone in the community add all the previous books um, into the sticky thread for, uh, for the book club. So that was really cool. And uh, yeah, things are just going well in the community. We got like uh, hundreds of people now in the Slack community. Conversation is great. You should uh, definitely come join us. And a uh, minor point here, but I've moved all my product service and product discovery items to the top of the discovery section. I think the whole convention of name-description is a great format to start with for those types of items, followed by the surfacing of various articles and such at the bottom. So let me know if you like the change. I, I think you'll like the newsletter this week with that format. And errata. So last week, we said 5.6% of the U.S. reported as transgender, according to Gallup. But that was the entire LGBT percentage, not just transgender. Discovery. Aura ring. So tried lots of wearables in my time, and uh, this is the only one that I still wear, uh, other than my watch. And uh, yeah, wearing it right now. Actually, I need to charge it. Uh, lasts about a week on a charge, and uh, yeah, it's really, really good. I I wish they would be a show supporter and get some sort of discounts. I haven't reached out to them about that, but really love this thing. It's it's one of the only wearables that I've been able to stick with, and uh, yeah, wear it every day and night. It's also a sleep tracker, so I, I don't wear a watch for sleep tracking, and it's a lot better than a bed sheet, uh, which is kind of lame. And the X1 Ultralight Titanium Knife. This is my EDC carry knife. Absolutely love it. I uh, need to reach out and see if they want to be the supporter of the show as well. But um, it does two things for me. So it's like this super thin titanium wedge. It's just, it's like almost the thickness of a razor blade itself. Well, it's, it's quite a bit thicker than that, but it's extremely thin, extremely light. And it has the razor blade right inside of it. You just flip it up. And I mostly use it for Amazon boxes, of course, as one does. So, yeah, really cool. And, of course, uh, I really got stressed about having super nice knives because they would get dull from Amazon boxes. 
and I would have to sharpen them. And I felt like every time I was sharpening it, I was losing part of the knife, which of course I was, but that was causing me stress. So I, I've always wanted to have like a really high quality razor blade base knife. And this thing is it. Malwarebytes, my go-to anti-malware tool on Windows and Mac. It's uh, what I recommend to everyone. I've been using it for quite some time. And they are a supporter of the show. So click there and you get 25% off. Superhuman, my preferred email client, despite it being like $30 a month. Um, yeah, you should definitely check these guys out. It's basically like command-lined GUI email, which doesn't make any sense, but it does. It's the uh, fastest, most satisfying email client I've ever used. And uh, I'm still really enjoying it. Procrustes, a bash script that automates the exfil of data. If you have blind command injection, and no egress except for DNS. Dolt, Git for Data. It's a SQL database you can fork, clone, branch, merge, push, and pull, just like a Git repo. Can't wait to mess with this thing. Mito, write Python 10 times faster by editing a spreadsheet. And you can actually write pandas with it as well, or create pandas with it. Flowchart fun. You add lines of text and it creates a flowchart. It's a web app. Pretty slick. And a brilliant set of award-winning astronomy photographs from Miguel Claro. This, it looks like they're being taken from space. You can't believe that these things are coming from a ground-based telescope. Just really high-quality stuff. A guy wrote a bot to watch his bird feeder and identify the birds using ML. And I'm absolutely going to build this thing and implement it. Low Earth Orbit Satellite Visualizations. Resources for Beginner Bug Bounty Hunters by Ben Sajapur. And a great thread on how many layers and neurons to use in neural networks. So he walked you through, like, if you're trying to add complexity and accuracy, do you add more neurons or do you add more layers or both? Yeah, and he walks you through that decision tree. So, really interesting. Recommendation for the week. If you're into health topics such as diet, sleep, exercise, etc., presented through a highly rigorous science filter, a.k.a. Stanford, a tenured professor at Stanford, you absolutely need to add Andrew Huberman to your podcast rotation. It is quality content presented brilliantly through a series of focused topics. He basically breaks down sleep, diet, like hormones, jet lag, nutrition, just tons of stuff. And because he is rigorous and, you know, a professor, he's not an MD, he's a PhD. And I think maybe two PhDs, I don't know, but super smart. And he stays inside his lane. He Well, he does branch out, but he tells you if he's branching out. Just love the humility, the um, love of science, the love of health, and the fact that he's just trying to make a difference and really help people. And his podcast format is also really interesting. So instead of just talking about like 20 different topics or whatever and just kind of rambling, um, or bringing on a guest who does that, kind of like Joe Rogan, where you just go off into different topics, he stays on a topic. He talks about that very specific thing, goes through a whole outline, 
kind of like a professor, which he is. And he does that and covers a single topic for an entire month. So it's, it's a really interesting format. It's extremely dense, high-quality information. So if you're in, again, if you're into health or diet or exercise or any of that in a very scientific way. So here, I'm going to say one more thing about this. You've probably read a lot of, if you were into this topic, you've probably read a lot of books, right? But you've noticed that the science has changed over time. Well, he's giving you the latest stuff, all super condensed in one place. So that's what's so good about it. Andrew Huberman is his name out of Stanford. And uh, it's called Huberman Labs. You just, whatever, uh, H-U-B-E-R-M-A-N. And you can get him on podcast apps. And he's also on YouTube. So check that out. And the aphorism for the week. We can be knowledgeable with other people's knowledge, but we can't be wise with other people's wisdom. We can be knowledgeable with other people's knowledge, but we can't be wise with other people's wisdom. David Brooks. <laughs>